0: Uh, I should point out there have been many uh, Sieges of Tile. I'll have to be a little bit more specific here. This is probably the most famous one, uh, the one done by Alexander the Great. It was when Alexander set his sights on, uh, on capturing this island. Well, it was an island at the state. Not, not an island these days, but it was an island back then in... Uh, in modern-day Lebanon there. Um, It was uh, a very heavily fortified island too, uh, you know, back in those days. Great big huge city walls built right onto the shoreline there. And uh, capturing it, as you'll find out, no small bloody order, I can tell you. Now, Alexander the Great, however, he's not called the Great for nothing. And bloody hell, you better believe that he didn't muck around when it came to uh, trying to capture Tyre here. Now, the Siege of Tyre, it saw months and months and months of siege warfare, hundreds of ships, cunning subterfuge, diplomats being chucked into the sea, you know all the normal sort of stuff, uh, uh, but most famously, it involved a causeway, a sort of a, a you know a, a bridge type thing, being built out from the mainland towards the island as part of the siege effort there. Like that, if you uh, if you jump over to Lebanon these days and actually have a squiz at tyre, you'll notice it isn't an island anymore, and this is because of what happened with Alexander the Great. This is because of the siege we're going to talk about today. It's an incredible story that uh, quite literally changed the face of the planet. So let's get to it. Find out. Uh, what it was all about. I have wanted to chat about Alexander for a very, very long time, but there's just so much to cover. So much to cover with this bloke's life that it's sort of difficult to know where to start. Um, I'm sure everyone has heard of him. I'm sure, everyone's heard of Alexander the Great. Uh, but here's a quick refresher in case you, you know, you've forgotten or maybe you didn't know in the first place. Uh, he was born in 356 BCE. That's almost uh, what 2,400 years ago, almost. Uh, to King Philip II of Macedon, he was tutored by none other than Aristotle, the famous philosopher, as a young fella. And then he took the, uh, took the throne at the age of 20 when his old man died. And over the next 10 years, he waged war after war after war, expanding his empire all the way from Greece India. He conquered the eastern end of the Mediterranean. He blasted through the Middle East into Persia and Bactria and Mesopotamia and got as far as Punjab in uh, in modern-day northern India. So this empire, it spanned a huge, huge amount of territory because this was in addition to Greece, Anatolia and and Egypt. He assembled one of the, the biggest empires that the world has ever seen. And he did all of this, if you'll believe it, right? By the age of 30, Talk about a bloody overachiever. Thanks, Alex, old mate. Once again, making us all look very bad here. I've just turned 30 this year, and and what have I ever done? I've made a tin pot history podcast, and I've beat Halo on Legendary. That's just about it for me. So, yeah, thanks very much, Alex, making us all look very bad here. Anyway, the Siege of Tyre. It took place uh, relatively early on in his uh, decade of conquest there. We're going all the way back here, all the way back to uh, 332 BCE. Alexander had become king in 336 BCE. So he's been up and about for about 4 years so far, fighting through Anatolia, that's modern-day Turkey, and into the Levant, which is uh the the eastern edge of the Mediterranean. You know, it's where like Syria, Lebanon, Israel, all of that, all of those sort of places, so that's the Levant, right? So at the time, back then, this area is all part of the Achaemenid Empire, or also known as the First Persian Empire, and it's uh, at this stage, of course, led by its last, very last king, Darius III. The Achaemenid Empire fa- it stopped existing. It, it, it blinked out of existence, of course, once Alexander had had his way with it. So again, Alexander having a great time, ravaging his way through the nor- northern part of the Levant there, he's winning battle. After battle, he's taken names, he's, he's, he's having a great time uh, You know, just doing what he does best. Now he's he's outnumbered by Darius and the Persians, uh, but this doesn't stop him. This doesn't stop him at all. He never lost a battle throughout his entire career, and uh, you know that, I guess, I don't want to spoil the ending for you, I guess, for, for what happened. But you know, again, he's called Alexander the Great. You can kind of you can kind of guess there. Um, and despite again, despite being outnumbered by Darius and the Persians, doesn't stop him. He's uh, he's sending Darius running with his tail between his legs, uh, especially after the Battle of Issus. After Issus, interestingly, Darius offered Alexander a peace settlement. Right, he, he came to him with a treaty. He said, look, you know, let's just ra- let's just. Ra- it up here. I'm, I'm quite a bit of quit while I'm ahead here. Uh, Darius offered to surrender all of the lands that Alexander had already captured, as well as a 10,000 talent ransom for his captured family. Alexander had captured the family of Darius, and Darius was willing to part with 10,000 talents. A talent, by the way, if you didn't know this, is 26 kilograms of pure silver. In today's terms, right, Darius offered Alexander almost... million, United States dollars. In today's terms, that's how much Darius was trying to use to buy off Alexander from continuing to to fight this war of expansion and conquest. But our mate Alexander, he doesn't care about the money. He's not in it for the money. He's in it for the glory. In it for the glory, mate, isn't he? And so he tells Darius to stick his silver where the sun shineth not. He continues to march his way south through modern-day Syria and Lebanon until he reaches Tyre with 40,000 soldiers or so, thirty-five, forty thousand 40,000 soldiers he's got in tow, so a big, big army, enormous big army, and he's ready to get it done once he spots Tyre there on the horizon. Now, Tyre, as I mentioned, city-built on an island, about a kilometre away from the mainland, about a kilometre of open sea between the mainland and the and this island there, and it's got these enormous big walls, about 45 metres high they were, huge, big, thick walls, very, very difficult. I mean, you can imagine an island is hard enough to take, but with, you know, with the land force as it is, but even harder when you've got these massive big fortifications and of course all sorts of defences as well to hold off any uh, any oncoming uh, you know, invaders there like that. Now it's an important naval base for the Achaemenid Empire here and uh, as Alexander actually doesn't have a navy of his own at this point, doesn't have a proper navy, he knows that it's going to be very important to destroy all the Persian naval resources to ensure that he could main control over the eastern Mediterranean because of course he's not going to stick around there. He's got his sights set on Egypt and, and you know, more far-flung places there like that. So he, he he really recognises the need to uh, to take Tyre and ensure that, uh, you know, it, it's not going to... Even though it's going to be very difficult, even though he knows it's going to be very hard, it's not going to be an easy thing to do, he knows that he has to capture this fortress if he wants to continue this, uh, you know, this momentum that he's got as, as a conqueror. Now, he's a smart bloke, Alexander is. Won't surprise you to learn that he's a very, very smart fellow. And before just... Uh, you know, bum-rushing this city, he actually chances his arm at, at, at getting in a different way. He, he decides to try his hand, a little, little bit of diplomacy before he starts to deploy the swords here. There's this great big temple in Tyre. It's a temple to Melkart, right, who was the, uh, the rough sort of Tyrian equivalent to Greece's Heracles, or, or as he's known mostly these days as Hercules. Uh, he, that was the the sort of the Roman take on, uh, on, on the Greek Heracles there. So, Alexander, big fan of Heracles, he gets in touch with the Tyrians and says, Oh, g'day there, you fellas. Uh, have a listen to this one. If you let me into the city so I can make a little offering to old mate Heracles... Oh, sorry, Melkart. Sorry, sorry about that. Yep, of course, of course you call that. Um, I'll spare everyone in the city and I won't fight you. No worries. You know, we'll just, we'll just call it a day. Now, the Tyrians... <laughs> They know that this is just a ruse to get Alexander and his blokes inside Tyre, and they are not falling for it. They say, yeah, nah, look, don't even worry about it, old mate. Tell you what, there's a temple there in the old, in old Tyre back on the mainland. Just go back there, eh? Just go back and make your offering there. Now, minor setback. Obviously, the Tyrians—they're not going to let him into the the city just like that, bugger bum. So he has to have a think about things here and figure out exactly what his uh, next move is going to be. The Tyrians reckon they're in a good spot. They don't see any need to uh, capitulate or surrender prematurely to uh, to Alexander. I mean, look, Alexander has been conquering the pants off everyone he bloody looks at, and of course they all know that. But they feel pretty bloody safe. With a kilometre of sea and, you know, 50 metre high walls in between them and him, they feel like they're pretty safe, to be honest. They feel like they don't have too much to worry about. Now, on top of this, they've got a navy and he doesn't, right? And in preparation for a siege... They've started to evacuate all the women and children, sending them up to their old ally, Carthage. So they've got fewer mouths to feed should the city become uh, besieged. Now, knowing the lack of resources that, uh, that, that you know, the naval resources that Alexander has, knowing they've got this, uh, this powerful ally across the sea in Carthage, and, uh, you know, not really, well, you know, kind of underestimating against the, the determination, uh, the tenacity of uh, Alexander the Great here. The Tyrians kind of, uh, you know, they sit back, they relax, and uh, they don't reckon they've got anything to worry about. They've survived sieges in the past. They don't reckon, that, you know, this young Macedonian upstart is going to ruffle their feathers too much. And I'll tell you what, biggest mistake they've ever made here, because, of course, we're talking about Alexander the Great here. He's absolutely determined to capture the city. Uh, and, you know, for good reason. Again, as I said, it was very, very important strategic, uh, uh, you know, objective for him here. He wants to march down to Egypt. And he can't risk having a major Persian naval base at his rear while he's fighting further south. So, as so, so when I'm talking about Persia, a Persian naval base, I'm talking about one controlled by the Persian by the Achaemenid Empire here. So they're not actual Persians uh, living on and controlling this island, but it, it comes under you know the this empire that's controlled by Darius. So it's uh, you know politically at least it's Persian, even if it's not ethnically Persian. Anyway, uh, a small distinction there to be uh, you know to, to to take note. Anyway, Alexander he meets with his generals and he explains to them. Listen. We're gonna to have to take Ty. No better. No better. What? Aren't we, boys? We're gonna have to get. We're gonna have to go and crack some skulls here. They're not gonna surrender. Let's bloody. Let's just let them have it. Eh? Let's let, let's uh, let's get in there. Get stuck in. He gives them one last chance to surrender. Probably knowing they're not gonna take uh, take him up on his offer. But all the same, he sends in some envoys to demand the Tyrians uh, surrender to him. Uh, but once again, these Tyrians are not having any of it. They might just have gone a little bit too far, I would say, with their response because. Uh, Rather than just saying, oh, yeah, nah, look, thanks, fellows, for coming by, but uh, I think we're right with the whole, uh, you know, surrendering biz, I think we'll just leave it, so, uh, yeah, like you can just bugger off back to Alexander, you know, and, and let him know that he can tell his story walking, uh, you know, thanks very much for stopping by. They don't tell you, no, that, that's not, the, not what they do, they uh, they take a rather different tack, they uh, they execute them, they just, uh, they kill them, they execute the envoys, which are pretty bloody ordinary behaviour, to be honest, but then, just to really make the point clear, just just in case Alexander would, you know, misinterpret it, or, or you know, not realise that they meant business... Uh, they chuck the corpses over the walls into the sea. Now, this was, uh, to put it very mildly, a huge bloody mistake. It pisses off Ale- Alexander like you would not believe, and he goes right, bugger this for a joke. Let's show those Tyrian bastards just how badly we've stuffed. Uh, they've stuffed this one up. Let's get to it. Let's get. Let's get this uh, this siege happening uh, well and truly here. So, in January, three thirty two BCE, Alexander lays siege to Tyre. Now, how? I hear you ask. Does he, do, does he do this? And it's an excellent question. It's an excellent question considering that he has no navy and that Tyre is, you know, an island. Alexander orders his men to build a causeway from the mainland out to the island. Never mind sailing there. Don't worry about that. Let's just build a bloody bridge out there and walk there, mate. It's much, well, it's actually, technically speaking, not a bridge, really. The Macedonians, actually, all they do is they just heave out rubble and rocks and ruins, timber and bits of whatever's lying around from old tyre, right, and they chuck it into the sea. This works remarkably well. The water off the off the coast here is only about two metres deep, and it actually doesn't take very long for Alexander's army. Remember, there's 40,000 of these blokes ready to go. It um, doesn't take too long for Alexander's men to, uh, to make a fair bit of headway out towards Towards the island. It does get tricky after a while, however. I mean, they're working for weeks and weeks and weeks on this causeway. Lots of time is going past here as they're slowly but surely building their way out towards the island. But after a while, the water deepens quite abruptly, like a little shelf it is. It sort of goes, it sort of plummets down. So it's all of a sudden very, very difficult for them to continue building this causeway. And on top of that, they're now within range of attack from the city walls—you know, archers and uh, and missiles, projectiles, whatever else—they're like that. And so, uh, you know, the 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 people, the, the the men who are out there constructing, trying to build this uh, this causeway, being peppered by constant attack uh, from uh, from the island of Tyre—they're like that. So, and on top of this, to make things worse, Tyrian ships are coming out and having little skirmishes with them out there, and uh, and and so work production of this uh, this causeway is really getting quite significantly harried. But Alexander doesn't let this stop his efforts. However, he has his men build two siege towers that are then wheeled out to the end of the causeway as it's being built and also orders the construction of a palisade, a wooden fence there, to block the Tyrian missile. So this means that the construction workers, the men there, they can work away relatively safely without, you know, being peppered by arrows the entire time. And the siege towers further, you know, basically they're there to, um, you know, they've got archers and other defence mechanisms there to, to keep the the tyrians at bay uh, while they're trying to attack the, the construction workers there um, and they're draped in uh, in raw leathers right so they can't be set alight by burning arrows or whatever else like that and and, and again the people inside them do a great job of, of covering the workers on the causeway below so construction continues they edge their way further and further towards uh, the uh, the island here And Alexander, he's down there. He's down there with the men. He's handing out cash bonuses to people and he's even working there himself. Classic Alexander the Great move. He was, uh, you know, there's that saying, a good leader will never ask their, uh, you know, their followers to do anything that they wouldn't do themselves. And Alexander, he lives by this because he's out there with the, you know, with all the fellas working on things, going, oh, yeah, let me uh, pick up this shovel, bloody chuck this rock in there, no worries at all. And, uh, you know, and and he's getting stuck in and uh, and doing all the backbreaking work himself as well. So obviously, you know, very, very good for the morale there. Anyway. The Tyrians, they realise that they need to step up their game here. They realise they need to step up their game and so they try a much more aggressive tactic to try to stop the causeway from being built. They get an old ship, it was an old transport ship, and they fill it full of, uh, you know, flammable stuff. They fill it full of, I don't know, wood and sulfur and pitch and all sorts of other stuff. And they whack two great big cauldrons of oil up in the rigging, and they then they use two galleys to drag it towards the causeway. These these galleys and a couple of other, other boats as well come out there as well, lo, uh, load up with soldiers. Now, this fire ship, it's dragged towards the towards the causeway at a great speed. It smashes into, it, it actually, it, it's dragged out so fast by these other galleys that they get beached on the... Uh, on the shore, you know, from from where the causeway is being built there, because they're dragging this uh, this fire ship behind them so quickly. But the the fire ship itself, as I say, it smashes into the causeway, and the Tyrians they light the oil in the rigging, and then you know die for safety into the water because this thing goes up in flames like a like a you know like a, a tinderbox it is. It goes up like this. The oil spills down onto the uh, you know onto the onto the rigging, onto the sails, down onto the boat itself, and the, and the pitch and the sulphur and everything. It goes up in flames just like that, and this does enormous amount of damage to the palisade to the to the siege towers and the causeway itself. But on top of that, right, on top of that, while it's burning the siege tower, the palisade, the construction equipment at the end of of the causeway, boatloads of Tyrians have also landed on the causeway as well, and they're fighting hand-to-hand with Alexander's men. They're killing stacks and stacks of them and destroying even more construction equipment, the stuff that was sort of out of range or a little bit further down the causeway. So it's an absolute disaster for Alexander, a stunning victory for the Tyrians. They set back the construction of this causeway enormously. They're running around high-fiving each other, thinking that surely this will be enough. Alexander will have had enough by now. He's going to move on. But our boy Alexander, come on. He's not going to give up there. He's bloody Alexander the Great, mate. He's not Alexander the bloody decidedly mediocre. He orders work to restart on the causeway. He widens it. He has two more towers built to protect the construction workers. And he shows, I'll tell you what, I'm not giving this one up without a fight. Now, he realises, however, the causeway by itself not going to be enough he needs a navy and so you know after weeks after months of working on this causeway and after this quite considerable setback alexander realizes that he has to take a different uh, a different approach in addition to the causeway and he decides he has to drum up a bit of, a bit of a naval fleet for himself now what he does, he actually leaves Tyre. He leaves behind his army, the army is behind, you know, behind continuing the siege, building the causeway, what have you. But he heads off himself with, a, you know, with a, obviously with a retinue uh, to try to find a way to solve this problem of, of putting together a navy. He levies vassals, he calls in favors, he commandeers captured Persian ships from other cities like Sidon and, uh, you know, other areas that he'd already taken over there. And by doing this, he puts together a fleet of about 100 ships. In addition to this, uh, after having heard about what Alexander is up to putting together this massive fleet here the King of Cyprus, who is obviously a, a pretty bloody cluey bloke, he decides that he also wants to be on the right side of history here. And so he offers Alexander the use of 120 more of his own ships, right? So now, I mean, a very, very smart move by this fellow, very smart move getting on side with one of the, the greatest conquerors the world has ever seen. And after Alexander has, uh, you know, gratefully accepted his offer, he now has over 220 ships at his disposal just like that. And with this massive, massive fleet behind him, he sails back. Back towards Tyre. Now, rather than sail right towards the city, you know, all guns blazing, oh, no, no, all ballista blazing. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, Alexander doesn't, you know, start this this attack frontal, full on frontal uh, head on attack here with his navy. What he does first is he he draws up, he parks up this massive fleet uh, in full view of Tyre just to get up in their brain zone, just a bit of psychological warfare there and just show them exactly what they're messing with now that Alexander has got this enormous big navy here. It works. The Tyrians, they had no idea that Alexander would have access to such incredible naval power, and they definitely hadn't planned for it. They hadn't planned for it. There is no chance now, no chance whatsoever, that they can meet Alexander on the seas and hope to win. He's got full command of the sea now, and so they recall all of their ships into the Tyrian harbors and try to figure out their next move. there are two major major harbors there on Ty. There's the northern harbor, which they block off. They sort of barricade by anchoring three enormous triremes in the uh, in the entrance there to block off the the mouth of the harbor, and the southern harbor, they lower a, a big wooden uh, boom like a barrier. I guess they float that across the front of the uh, the harbor and and secure it in place there the, across the mouth of the southern harbor, and so both effect have effectively been blocked off. Now let's just see how tough these Tyrian ships are says Alexander after noticing what they do with the northern harbor let's just let's just put these uh, uh, put these mongrels to the test here and he orders some of his ships to ram the three triremes that are blocking the northern harbor and would you believe it the, the, the Tyrian ships are blasted to pieces immediately they sink like stones Alexander's just got too many ships for them to contend with right? And this means that he can order a full blockade of the Northern Harbour while he puts the next phase of his plan into action. So the Tyrians are looking, that I mean, they are looking to be in very dire straits here indeed, right? Because Alexander's next move is to put, it puts even more pressure on the city as well. He rolls siege engines out to the end of the causeway and mounts more siege engines on anchored ships in range of the city. And he starts to bombard the crap out of Tyre. So we've got, you know, there are rocks and stones and missiles sails and whatever else being hurled great distances there uh, and bombarding the city there like this non-stop but the tyrians they're not going to go with they're not going down without a fight they rally here they rally they put their heads together and uh, despite alexander's excellent position they've still got a couple of tricks up their sleeve so first thing they do realizing that alexander will eventually try to use uh, ships to to land troops in the city they start to deliberately scatter massive big great uh, jagged, broken rocks around the base of their walls. Deliberately, they bro- they drop them down, sort of roll them down the, to the bottom of the walls there, creating this natural barrier between the walls uh, and, and the sea that ships obviously can't gonna get, aren't going to be able to get past without being damaged. So this is going to make it very difficult to Ale- for Alexander to land troops anywhere. Even if he manages to break through the walls, the ships aren't going to be able to get close enough for troops to land. So pretty clever thing there to do that like that. Uh, the second thing they did was they armor plated some of their galleys. They they covered them in thick um, uh, thick armor plating there, and sent them out through Alexander's fleet. Very dangerous thing to do towards the anchored ships. Remember, I talked about those anchored ships that siege had siege weapons sort of bolted to them, right? These armor plated ships, they approached them, right? And while the armored ships are defending themselves from Alexander's attacks, the Tyrian plan uh, all of a sudden becomes very obvious. They're not there to destroy, uh, you know, they're not there to try to attack the ships directly, not, not there to try to, uh, you know, to kill the, the sailors or the soldiers or anything else like that. All of a sudden, all these divers... Jump off the uh, the side. All these Tyrian divers—they jump off the side of these uh, of these armoured ships and dive into the water with knives, uh, big sharp knives, and start to cut through the the anchor lines of all of these siege ships. And this means that the ships, of course, they start to drift off course, and and they make it more or less impossible for the uh, for the siege engines to be aimed properly at Tyre. And so the bombardment sort of has to pause uh, while these ships that have been cut free of their anchors, are, you know, are drifting, uh, you know, sort of freely throughout the water there. The third thing, and uh, definitely the most brutal thing that the Ty- the Tyrians did here, and this one was uh, this one had pretty dire consequences for them, as as you'll find out. They started to heat up great big cauldrons filled with sand, not oil. Of course, remember the uh, you know Alexander can't get close enough to the walls for for you know boiling oil to be a consideration here. But instead, they use sand. The sand was heated until it was red hot and then it was strewn from the tops of the Tyrian walls where the wind picked it up and floated it down to Alexander's ships that were downwind. And it, of course, this red-hot sand, it set the sails alight, it damaged the ships, but it gravely burnt and injured all of these sailors and soldiers aboard. you know, they've got, I mean, many of them died, but apart from the ones who didn't, you know, are suffering horrific, horrific burns as a result of this red-hot sand that's been blasted down from on top of the, you know, the Tyrian walls there. So it was I tell you this it was a spirited defense put on by the Tyrians I tell you what but uh, it, it actually may have made their position worse long term because Alexander who's he's already not too pleased with the with you know with Tyre and how difficult it's been to capture but he is incensed by these Tyrian tricks especially the burning sand because of the damage it's you know because of the uh, the horrific damage it's done to his men here so he is uh, you know Alexander and his men they are howling for blood howling for blood by the time that they kick the uh, the siege in uh, into next gear here Alexander in order to counter what's going on with the the anchor lines being cut he replaces all of the uh, the anchor lines with chains now that can't be cut by these divers uh, and he orders ships to actually sail right up to the walls of Tyre with great big ropes and they lasso the jagged rock rocks that have been uh, dropped to the, uh, the bottom of the walls there and start to drag them out. Uh, into uh, into deeper water, so you can see he's getting very very serious about winning this city, going to great great lengths to ensure that, he's, that his campaign is going to be successful. A full scale, a full on naval battle is approaching. Everyone knows this. Tyrion know the Tyrians know this. Uh, Alexander knows this. Everyone knows that uh, that it's uh, that it's coming, and so the Tyrians they try to steal the initiative from Alexander. They sort of put together a last ditch effort to attack uh, Alexander, try to catch him with his pants down. They notice that Alexander returns to the mainland every afternoon for a bit of a snack, a bit of a snooze, a bit of a relax and a rest, right? And so they pick their moment very carefully to strike. They draw enormous sails. They spread these great big bolts of cloth across the mouth of the northern harbour, the one that was being blockaded. Um, and inside the harbour, they secretly muster 13 ships, right, who sail out very quickly in a single fire line with the element of surprise from behind these sails. Now, this surprise attack timed, uh, you know, for, for a moment when Alexander was supposed to be back on the mainland having a bit of a kip, it's very effective initially, at least. Very effective indeed. It, You know, they start to blast through all of these uh, all of the ships that are under the command of, uh, of Alexander Alexander, but wouldn't you know it today of all days the day that they picked for this attack Alexander has decided to skip his afternoon nap and so he is ready to go ready to chuck some punches around he jumps onto a ship himself and he sails to the to, to personally lead a counterattack against the Tyrians. His superior numbers and and you know the morale brought on by their leader here with Alexander leading the charge very very quickly helps to over uh, overwhelm the Tyrian ships, many of which were sunk or captured straight away just like that and the Tyrians they have to leap overboard and try to swim back to the city. Now, with the Tyrian navy in such a bad way, with the rocks cleared from the base of the wall and with the siege engines in you know bombarding the city non-stop here like this, Alexander is ready for the final blow. He moves his fleet up to the base of the walls and using rams that he'd installed on his ships, he starts to smash the hell out of all of these walls. He's blasting them and blasting them with these rams until he can try to find, you know, try to find a point of entry here. Slowly but surely, the rams, they do their work. And after some time, Alexander... Manages to break through a section of the wall to the south of the island using uh, bridging equipment on on some ships. There, Alexander's army and, and the, of course the causeway. Uh, Alexander's army started a full scale invasion of the city. They start to load troops, uh, you know, all, all the way across this uh, the you know the sea there like that and start to uh, t- start to invade the city. Full. Although I have to say, didn't start very well. One of the very first people, a commander uh, who who actually got through to the top of the battlements there, uh, he, he was a bloke named. Admetus uh, got killed straight away by a spear as he climbed the battlements there. Just do it. Whoops. Uh, so yeah, not off to a great start. But after that, once enough troops were through, uh, that was it. The city fell extremely quickly. And Alexander's troops, they, you know, they, they are baying for blood. They're furious. They've, they've got the you know the the, the red mist has uh, has descended on them there like that, and they've gone into full berserk mode here. Uh, they they force their way through in the break in the wall uh, and then through the harbors and and it's not very long before Tyre has fallen. The thing was. It really wasn't pretty. It really, really was not pretty. Alexander, after months and months and months of backbreaking work with the siege, plus you know all the other stuff that had done, the Tyrians had done—the envoys being uh, chucked over the walls, the fire ships, the burning sand—Alexander's in a pretty bloody bad mood. And so he and his soldiers they take it out on the city. They cut a rage-fueled swath of destruction through Tyre, killing Tyrians left, right, and centre. They plunder and they pillage and they loot their way through the entire island. Here, now, as usual, Alexander, right in the thick of things, the story goes, he's there in his armour. Slaying Tyrians like there was no tomorrow with to his spear, he's taking names all day long and leading by example. And in total, six thousand Tyrians were slaughtered by Alexander and his army. And then, two thousand survivors were crucified nailed to crosses on the beaches nearby. Another 30,000 on top of that were captured and sold as slaves. Alexander showed almost no mercy to the Tyrians and put almost the the entire city to 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 the fire and the sword after its capture. Now, you know, particularly shocking display of brutality. Really, I mean, you know, not exactly what you'd expect here for the capture of a city like this. But it had taken seven months for Alexander to capture Tyre, and he was pretty bloody pissed off about the whole situation. He had a fair bit of steam to blow off, it seemed. I mean, you know, murdering 8,000 people and taking another 30,000 of them as slaves, he's clearly not mucking around here. But some people did receive mercy. Some people, were, you know, some people did get off here. They, uh, Mainly those who had sought refuge in the, in the temple of Melkart. Uh, they were the ones who, uh, who escaped the wrath of Alexander the Great, and uh, quite funnily as well, there's uh, there's one little one one final little story about the temple here. You know, people obviously, I mean, even the king, the king of Tyre, went there with his family and sought refuge in the temple. And and, and Alexander once captured once he captured the, the temple, he did spare everyone that was inside it. But it wasn't the only thing he did at the temple because before he moved on towards Egypt and beyond, before he left Tyre behind here, he did the thing that he'd apparently wanted to do all along in Tyre, and he made an offering in the temple, just like he'd asked to do to begin with, would have been a lot easier. Would have been a lot easier if they'd just let him do it when he'd asked, I would have thought. Anyway, over the years, you know, I mentioned before that Tyre is no longer an island. It's not. It's now fully connected uh, to, to Lebanon now. It's in uh, it's in uh, modern-day Lebanon. And you can look at maps of the city today, and you can see where the island once was. But now, again, solidly connected to the mainland. Over the years, the causeway that Alexander built has acted as a groin. That's G-R-O-N. Yne, uh, the things that you see at beaches to pre- prevent longshore drift. <laughs> this is you know a bit of bit of half assed geography now. Um, but over the years, right, the causeway has widened and lengthened as sand and silt and whatever else the tide has deposited on either, on either side of the causeway there, until it conne- it's connected to the island. Uh, the, the mainland is now connected to the island fully once and for all. It's now part of the mainland of Lebanon, Alexander. He went on to conquer and conquer and conquer. He created one of the mightiest empires the world has ever seen. And in doing so, of course, he shaped the course of world history. But I also like to think about the Siege of Tyre, and I like to think about how he shaped the course of world geography as well. And however, 2,000 years later, after the Siege of Tyre, maps of Lebanon's coastline have one fewer island than they would have had otherwise. But that's it that's all she wrote today sports fans that is the story of the Siege of Tyre at the hands of Alexander the Great I really do want to do some more more Alexander the Great stories of course there's so much to get across with uh, with what he did you know the, the Gordian Knot another famous story and uh, you know of course how he died is very interesting as well so maybe we'll do some more uh, more half-assed history of uh, of Alexander the Great in, in the weeks to come anyway going to close out the show with the normal boring housekeeping stuff uh, half history.net a lot of people have been getting in touch with me using the contact form on the website and thanks so much to everyone who, who's done so uh, I mentioned last week that uh, you know again if I haven't responded to your email, please just send send me another one. I'm, I'm so sorry that I've missed it. I'll uh, I'll try to get across them all. And uh, a good it's also the best way to uh, to suggest any episode um, uh, topics that uh, that you may have. Of course. I've not everything is, you know, obviously going to work as a, as a topic for an episode, but it, it's really interesting to read through the, the things that people suggest uh, as, anyway, so please do send in those suggestions. Uh, a special thank you, of course, to uh, Patreon members, people who support me uh, financially on Patreon. Thank you so much. I mean, it, it, again, I say it every week, it's it's indescribable that uh, that so many people uh, are supporting me with uh, with cold hard cash like that, so thanks so much for that. And uh, if you want to subscribe to the show, I'd really appreciate it. Get those numbers up; makes me look very good. Thank you very much. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or uh, there's subscribe for Android. Or I don't know. There's, there's. I mean, basically, you can pick your pipe. If, if, it, if there's a pipe with podcasts on it, half a century should be there. If it's not, let me know, and I'll, I'll do what I can to fix that. Anyway, that's enough of that boring nonsense. As usual, closing out a, uh, closing out uh, the the episode. Uh, with a question asked. This one is a little bit of a, bit of a setup here. Um, it's about Alexander the Great, and it's about... Remember before I, I told you about all the names of the places that he'd conquered, uh, like Mesopotamia and Persia, and another place that he conquered was called Bactria. So the joke relies on 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 that the fact that he uh, conquered Bactria. So remember, remember the name of that place. It's asked by Reddit historian Abu Ben Adhem, and it goes like this. Are you ready? If Alexander the Great conquered Bactria, how come people still get infections?